0: I am unashamed. What
1: about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. Um, Zach in North Carolina. Zach, uh, any movie news uh, on the, uh, I, was in, I was doing a Q&A up in, in Martin, Tennessee, and uh, after we spoke the other night and someone asked me about The Blind, and so I was giving them a little update on the movie. So what's the latest news on The Blind?
2: Well the latest is we are working on so the movie is what you call a locked cut so we've we're done with that it's in coloring and soundtrack and all that stuff so we're it looks great and we've showed it to several distributors have lots of interest have a couple offers um one of the things that helps is when they see how active um the unashamed nation is that has been actually been a really good selling point we show them our email list which has grown quite a bit if you haven't subscribed you can go check out theblindmovie.com subscribe there's a lot of updates there um we're probably going to do like a a show the trailer we have some different trailer versions and and like the poster for the film we'd love to get our unashamed nation audience uh to take a look at that so if uh and kind of vote on it you guys know us better than anybody so yeah you can go again check us out at theblindmovie.com and, uh, put your email in and we'll give you the, you get like, I think it's right now monthly by bimonthly, uh, bi-monthly, but we'll be having a lot of other stuff we're going to be doing, but it's going great. I mean, I think with the success of Jesus revolution, I think a lot of the distributors like, you know what, we, we want to take a look at this. So yeah, it's
1: going really well. You know, it's funny cause, uh, we had mom and Lisa on the podcast, um, last week when, um, when you guys were not on. And so we were talking a little bit about the movie and, and, uh, Mom said, <laughs> somehow we got into talking about different languages. And and so we talked about that the one of the actresses that plays mom, because there were different age ranges of actresses that play mom and dad. And so one of them was a, a British uh, actress that played mom. And she said, well, you know, even though she was British, she could still, you know, speak my language. And so I just thought that was really neat. And I said, well, mom, you know, the Brit's, Speak English, <laughs> and, she said, and she said, "Well, yeah, but I mean, they speak it differently than we do, you know." And then Dad, of course, talked about the Queen's English, and so we—can you imagine? It's kind of a comical can approach. Can
3: you imagine our mom and our uncle saw si in a Scrabble game? <laughs> <laughs> there would be words on that. There would be a challenge every other move. Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: would be, be fights. They fights.
3: use words that are not in
0: the English language, but they do it with such passion. I've and- long said my wife has the uh, acumen for it to. To butcher the English language <laughs> and she does it with
1: enthusiasm. Does it with enthusiasm and humor and it's it's quite yeah. funny. It's quite well, you got know, you got to own it. She owns it. Yeah. She does and she she does it with joy which is which is a lot of fun. I looked
0: at her her grades in the 7th grade what kind of grades she was making and ironically I mean there were a lot of A's and B's. Yeah. You know, I thought she would go in there about solid C, you know. But no, this was better than that. Well, we talked about this on the podcast.
1: So I, I came to mom and dad's house, and there's a report card laying there. But it was like a big, it was big as dad's yeah. Bible there. Yeah, It was for two years worth in middle school. And it was mom's middle school report card from the 7th and the 8th grade. The authentic version. Yeah. I mean, it was like handwritten from Ida Middle School or Ida Junior High. And I was like, Mom, this is your actual report card. And so we were talking about her grades, but it was really interesting because that long ago, this was like 1959, 1960. And so it had like the mom's occupation, what church she went to. I mean, it had a lot of real personal you know information that was on the report card so we were talking about her grades and so we talked about that on the podcast which was really Man, that
2: that would have been helpful if i would had that for the movie preparation just getting all that i oh, think yeah. we hit it pretty accurate though but i would it'd have been good to i mean anything like that was you know going back and finding all that stuff you know there's a there's a museum in vivian which is where phil and kay lived um, by during the t- this time period, and they've actually got a ton of stuff in there of just like the old cheerleading uniforms. I mean, it's like a, there's a whole duck, uh, duck commander kind of fill area too. in there it's pretty, pretty neat little area. It's in Vivian, Louisiana, if you're up that way, uh, it's in the old train station, check it out. So they've actually, th- that whole town looks like probably the, just like it looked Phil, when you were a kid, would, yeah. would, you, would you say it's changed a lot?
0: It, oh, it, it looks like it used to, but now there's no store there the, the, the old store they they were having it's still there but it, it's just uh, it's off the beaten track interstate came close to them out there about 10 miles so
1: it kind of took everything out of the town yeah it's kind
0: of interesting though because
1: I think Willie got a lot of the stuff out of the store and now some of that stuff has been moved into the Duck Commander tour and so when you do the tour a lot of the stuff from the movie set is actually in the tour which makes it very authentic Zach I noticed a uh, a lot of the old machines, Coke machines and stuff from the 50s and 60s. And from that era, we actually have in the tour now, which is kind of cool. So some well, of they've
2: that got the, uh Yeah, they've got the old uh, place. Uh, one of our cousins has the house that my mom grew up in. And I think, Phil, you were born in as well. So I, I got to see all that as well. It's all over there in Vivian. Wow. I
3: need to go treasure hunt that. You do need to. I'll oh, yeah. set that up. Set that up. I'll go see what's in the ground. That might be a good episode. Well, that's so. I guess us coming out with a new season of our show, Duck Family Treasure. So that'll be the warm up. We'll be the undercard to the movie. That's right. Yeah. Because I think they're talking about June, maybe. So. Oh, that'd be perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going pretty well. Yeah. So he was talking about that lock cut. I'm familiar with that because we we see the episodes when they're put together. I think there's a several episodes are in the lock cut stage, and y'all are probably
1: coming out this summer. Is that when the next?
3: You know, I don't know for sure, but that's what I would guess. I'm i I think I said earlier on a different podcast maybe April, but that was just I I don't know why I threw that out Discussing. there. I, I'm guessing June. So. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I hope so. It's a lot of lot of traveling, a lot of work, and but we're having fun. So it's a it's a little lower grade production than what Zach's doing. I think Zach's going to appeal to the heartstrings. So ours is a little more just. There are there are a few moments, but yeah. it's just having fun with the backdrop of what is, what is the true treasure of life. It's a it's a subtle direction toward the reason we're having so much fun, the reason we're getting along with these people is there's a greater treasure that's driving us, you know, right.
0: which is from a spiritual from the spiritual. Yeah, Gordon way. called yesterday and he wanted to know about the uh, the uh, epiphany that that came about over a period of time. When I was getting on my feet, I read Romans chapter twelve and said, Be good to your enemies. If they're thirsty, give them a drink and give them something to eat. So I thought about that, but there were a lot of people up and down the river, the rednecks, that lived in that area. When I was fishing for a living and all the money I was making to come off those nets, well, I started noticing that these people were stealing my fish. These rednecks were stealing my fish. And your nets. Yeah, and the nets. So I laid in wait for them, you know, got my shotgun and got ready. But I read that Romans 12 after fighting with them for a couple of years, you know, just scaring them at gunpoint, you know, I had I'd pull up there and with a shotgun, so they did take off down the river, you know. So I thought, well, this says be good to your enemies. If, if your enemies are hungry, feed them, give them something to eat. And I thought, I said, that's not going to work. <laughs> if I give these rednecks to fish, I said that ain't gonna. I thought, well, how would I know? since I've never tried it, I just struck fear in them to run them down, run them off of my nets. My nets were out there on the bottom of the river and the rope came up and there was a float there. So they knew it was nets. So I thought, well, I'll tell you what, I'll put that into practice, what what God said about it, and I'll just change tactics. So I pulled up there, had my gun with me, but I didn't have it in my hands. And I pull over there. Two guys are stealing my fish. And right before they got the net up, I just came out of nowhere. You know, I was hiding over on the back. I said, guys, look like you want to have a, have a fish fry today. And, and I'm taking the, the, the batting for it. I said, I tell you what, you don't have to steal these fish. I'll give them to you. I said, I live right there. I said, you can just come up there. If you can't catch up your own fish, I said, I'll help you out with them. I'll give them to you. I said, let me see what we got in that net. And they said, oh no, I said, I said no. I said, you, need it. you want to have a fish fry, you want to steal the fish, you don't have to. With me, I'll give them to you. So I got the fish and they started hitting the bottom of the boat. And I said, whoa, y'all gonna do good. Pull your boat a little closer. And I started throwing the fish over in, the boat, over in their boat. And they're, they're sitting there watching, you know. And, I, and of course they saw the shotgun was right there with me, but I didn't have it in my hands. I'm giving them what they were trying to steal. Amazingly, after I gave them the fish, I did that for several more. And after a little while, I noticed everybody quit stealing from me. When I began to give them what they were trying to steal, they all quit stealing from me. I thought I learned a valuable lesson there. I said, be good to your enemies. Just be good to them. Well, be good and a little crazy.
3: Because, look, I was in on a lot of those (laughs) things. You probably... Uh, the most scared I've ever been in my life is uh, one night feels like, you know, I need you to paddle. I, uh, we paddled, I don't know if you remember this, but you was, people were stealing your nets and the fish, and you thought you knew where they were camping out. And so we got in a boat at night, and Phil was like, now if I don't come back, you know, call 911, like we had a phone, you know. How, how old were you? <laughs> I have no idea. I was, y'all, I was... It was a scary moment, because Phil was going to go talk to him, and uh, but just sitting in that boat, thinking, of course he had his gun. That was still in the gun stage, and yep. I thought, you know, but and I don't know, you know, what happened because you you were you were trying to kind of protect me from it, but I remember, I mean, I was just terrified because I was like, well, what happens if I hear gunshots? <laughs> what a- And I was in on several of those when you were in the boat because when you got, because it was a transition. First, it was just the gun. Then it was the gun and the Bible. And, but it was, but you would tell me, now you watch my back because the gun was actually closer to me than it was him. I mean, he was, he was, he was trying to do the right thing. But I remember as a young kid, I was terrified. But my take on it was, I think it was better that you did good. And, That did, I think, sow a seed of, you know, uh, of them seeing the good that you were trying to do. But also, you having the gun there, they also thought, this guy's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to help us, but if we want to but go in whatever direction, there this. is the a fish gun. Fish was
0: my way of surviving. <laughs> they well, were I stealing thought. from what we were. <laughs> I think it was like here. I want to
3: give you grace, but don't ever doubt it. If you want to go judgment, we'll bring that to bear. <laughs> what also. was the? Uh,
2: yeah. A, what's the movie with Robert Duvall and uh, Billy Bob Thornton? The Prophet, I think, is the name of it, and Robert Duvall plays a preacher. Billy Bob Thornton's coming up with a bulldozer. He's going to bulldoze the, the church building down, and the preacher comes out there and yanks him off of the bulldozer and just beats the mess out of him. And the very next scene, he's got his arm around him and says, son, let me tell you about Jesus. It was, one of those, <laughs> it was that
1: kind of deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Give the right but Thornton thought he would
0: uh, place that story, which is true story, uh, on how that came about. But he wanted to put that in at the last of the book. I don't know whether we've used it before or not, but uh, he would just ask me about stories, and I I told him that one. I said, well, that shows you that be generous even to thieves and be good to your enemies. Well, you had a it's a tone. tough concept. You had a
3: tone about you when you was throwing those fish in their boat. you was like, y'all want some fish? I'll give you some fish. You know, they were just, <laughs> he was throwing them. In. They were
1: like, no, that's enough. He's like, oh, no, oh. would you start? And
0: they yeah. were watching it, and and, and they were just looking at me. <laughs> just saying, they were trying to steal. I just said, here.
1: Have a fish fry. Everybody starts coming, so you want to have plenty of fish. I'll tell you. This. Exactly.
0: From my perspective, it was
3: grace mixed with some salt <laughs> in there. And a little judgment
1: on the, you know. So, Dad, do you wear a lot of loungewear
0: in your just lounging? You must forgive me, but I I, I feel left out of the conversation. <laughs> the la- lounge, what loungewear lounge is what when they you're loungewear when you're the- watching Gunsmoke when you're watching Matt
1: Dillon take care of the villains and such. I don't think
0: about things like underwear. <laughs> And you me.
1: figured it out. They say
3: loungewear, so you feel more comfortable about your discussing loungewear. it.
0: Yeah. So
1: so Sunday, here's a perfect example. So this this past Sunday, I was I preached. I'm tired. I come home, and so I lounged some, resting. You know, from a hard day of presenting God's word. So Let's put, just leave it there. Okay. So I put on my Tommy John loungewear because Tommy John's one of our great sponsors, and they have very comfortable loungewear. I put it on. Then I wanted, I need to run to the store, get some bread. Lisa said we need some bread. So I kept my loungewear on. So then it be, kind of became a like, mistake. No, no, no. It was still comfortable. Just your wear. It just, just became your wear. It was just wear. wear. It was comfortable. I didn't even yeah. think about changing into anything Did else. Did you cover the loungewear? No. The loungewear was perfectly good, just like it was. Hmm. Nobody said anything. It's an intermediate wear between underwear. And
2: outerwear is your lounge. Oh, well that's, that's the it. That
1: exactly. you nailed it. And so and I and I think that's what they're going for. It's totally comfortable, soft tri blend, micro model fabric, four-way stretch. It's been covering our butts for fifteen years, is what they say. Twenty million pairs sold, thousands of five star reviews. We love it. We've been talking about their underwear for a long time. They don't have they don't have just clients and people that love their stuff. They have fanatics. That's what they say. So they also have a best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free guarantee. So we want you to shop Tommy John's Colorful New Spring Designs at TommyJohn.com slash You get 20% off your first order. 20% off right now, Dad, when you go to TommyJohn.com slash See their site for details. We're going to get you some loungewear.
0: I was unaware of how mean they make it get, so I thought, well, I need to. Well, you were it. unaware of how terrified I was while all this was going on. I, I just, as a
3: kid, I do remember it being like I was well, between that and between that and, and
2: no Santa Claus and all. Yeah, you you had some trauma, man. You really did. Well,
3: look, I want to let's well, put the San- out so I want to put the Santa Claus to bed. What I should have said for those of you who listened to the last two podcasts. Is I was wrong as a kid, even though I was only six or seven, whatever, because I was focused on the presence. I was like, give me presence. And so when you look at what the spiritual application of that is, it's the same as people who are only following God for presence.
2: And I mean, present
3: instead of the presence. No tea. Oh, uh, that's good. God. That was good. I don't preach. Now that's so good. So exchange the the addiction to life's presence, because they're not gonna they're not gonna make you happy. If you had all the presents in the world, gold, silver, money, the presence of God can carry you through a fire. Because really, this whole idea of fire is anything that can be burned up is not worth pursuing. Right. But God is like, I am the fire. I mean, we saw that all the way going back to Moses, and this there's a he's can present himself as a fire that
0: won't burn up. So he kind of runs along. What can I do for God? Instead of just look what God has done for me. Exactly. I mean, well, that's the going. Christmas be. is a the idea is a good one. Be thankful for and gifts are given to you. But it's been, uh, well. uh it's just turned into a money-making scheme. I mean, I don't know all the
1: history of Santa and St. Nick and all that, but let's face it, that became sort of a commercialized footprint of yeah. what we see as the true reason for why we do what we do. That's I mean, right. I mean, there's no doubt that's part of it. So, you know, without getting into the whole Christmas debate. But Jesus is a lot better to follow, so. Well,
3: I'm glad my... My painful memories of my childhood could bring. It's some been life. quite the
1: arc that we've gotten into with that. That's right, and so I apologize for laughing because apparently it wasn't funny. But <laughs> I guess we can laugh. Now. I guess we can laugh about it now. So before we, so we're going to wrap up Second Peter today. But before we totally get to those last few verses, Jay, because I know we we want to. There's some really interesting things right at the end. There's one thread I wanted to pull on the heaven thing before we totally leave it, because we had some really good stuff on the last podcast about that. There was a concept that we didn't talk about that I thought was interesting that I thought was worth mentioning, and it was from Luke 20. And um, it still kind of involved this idea because we talked a little bit. You brought up something I want to – you brought up Luke 10 – uh, which uh, I want to well, I did that in the bonus. In time. the bonus, right. So I wanted to read that, but then I wanted to go to Luke 20 as well. I also went through pretty pretty much the whole book of Revelation
3: in yep. 15 minutes.
1: Right, and it was really interesting Overtime time um, for those of you that subscribe. But Luke 10, you read this, or you quoted this. Uh, Jesus says, because this was where he sends out the 72, and he says, um, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven because the apostles had said, Lord, they're all joyful, you know, because they're casting out demons. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Like they're all gleeful because they're able to cast out these demons. And then Jesus kind of rebukes them. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And Jason read that text in Revelation about the the importance and the power of that. But I thought it was interesting. Um, uh, He just makes this statement about Satan falling from heaven. And this is several times these little glimpses that we get about this rebellion in heaven that Satan's a part of. And, you know, when we read about in, in Genesis 3 he's just there. I mean, you know, he's just there. Yeah. And then Zach, you know, in the last podcast talked about his influence on Adam and Eve in that first sin, Zach, you were talking about how some of that was the idea of removing from the presence of God, but that was also an influence of Satan as well, who had fallen out of heaven or fallen from heaven. And Revelation 12, which we didn't read, Jays, from 7 through 10. Talks about sort of how that went down. There was some kind of rebellion and he was cast down. And then Jesus mentions it here. Well, even in the first,
3: I mean, the second chapter, which was the uh, first revelation to the first church that he addressed, because he addressed a letter to seven churches, because this is all about God and his people, the church, were married to Jesus. We win in the end. I mean, the revelation was written. During a horrible persecution of the church, and he was giving them confidence. He was giving them a picture of the beauty of having a relationship with God. Well, even if someone kills you, they they can't kill you. You're you have the Holy Spirit of God, which is kind of the vein that Peter's tapping into in First and Second Peter about all this persecution that they're going through. And not only do you endure it, but you keep growing in the grace. Of, of God, and you keep declaring that Jesus is Lord. And so it gives us a lot of comfort. But even in the last part of that, that section to Ephesus, he makes reference to the garden in chapter 2 and verse 7. He says, uh, He who has ears let him hear what the spirit says of the churches to him who comes i will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of god which he keeps going back to no matter what happens you're going to be in the presence of god forever we're going to live together i mean that that is the the overriding theme of not only the book of revelation of the whole bible god
1: wants a relationship with people and right. he's provided the way to do that my point is and one more thing in second peter 2 you remember Peter uses the illustration when he was talking about judgment. He starts with in verse four if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. He uses that as an illustration. And again, what is that talking about? Some sort of place they've been reserved, you know, for judgment. He's using that as an illustration. But here we go again. Somehow these beings that were created and we know to my point I'm getting to in Luke 20 they don't procreate they're different from us so they're they they they're created differently they're in another realm and yet they had choice like we have choice and somehow in heaven they chose not to follow god and apparently satan was the leader of the rebellion, is what it appears to be and so he then was cast down here and had an influence on us in humanity and we made choices and we've been making those choices ever since. And then God came here and changed our ability, you know gave us an opportunity to choose him. And so that changed, but they didn't have that same opportunity apparently mm-hmm. from everything we read in the scripture. But the reason I get to all that is because the Sadducees came to Jesus. They don't even believe in the resurrection, but they asked him these questions about heaven and you know what? If, what if somebody's married? Who's who's gonna have, you know who's gonna be married to who? And they were trying to create a scenario. And here's what Jesus replied: The people of this age marrying are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age, and in the resurrection from the dead, will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels; they are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Uh, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for in him all are alive. And so it's interesting that he hearkens all the way back to that idea.
3: So that burning bush, that fire exactly. that wouldn't go out. I mean, it, when you put it all together, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I want to refer back to that text because I thought that was powerful. But it's still, and I keep going back to this Luke 16, which we're going to study Luke in the future. I'm not sure when, but it, it's such a uh, encouragement that you realize that even in Peter with all this graphic imagery and from the dog returned to his vomit with the burning of the earth and the new heavens and the earth and all the scoffers and, and all this, he gets to those last couple of verses and he's like, but grow in the grace of and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate motivation. That's why the rich man, when he was in hell in Luke 16, his plan wouldn't work. We all tend to think that. Just prove to me that hell's real and I'll follow you. But you don't realize that it that taps into the same vein of what, what's the entire world's problem, which is selfishness. Because then you would only be serving God to save your own skin. And it's just not designed. It, it's it's not designed that way. You're you're then appealing to yourself. You're back to selfish ambition, which which is it's it's the
2: constant battle. You know, um, Satan. Somebody told me this one time about Satan. I thought it was interesting. He said, "You know who?" Because uh, my daughter is into worship music, and she's joined up with Sadie. And I told her this, so uh, cause I thought it was important. Somebody said, "You know who the first worship leader was?" And I was like, "Nah," and they're like, Satan and you start thinking about him leading choirs of angels in worship and 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 he made it about himself in the end which is you know he became self absorbed um and that's what you know cost him and i think about how we how we do the same thing and when you read that even good things right i mean you look at what you read in, in luke chapter 10 i went back and read it cuz it hit me pretty hard and he says nevertheless do not rejoice in this and what that you can cast out demons but that the spirits are subject to you, but re- rejoice that you, your names are recorded in heaven. And I was at a event recently and they were, it w- they were worshiping and they were singing this song. I thought it was so interesting and about the presence of God. And it was kind of like very calm, but when they started to sing, there's a line in the song about prophesying and that's when they got excited. They didn't get excited about the presence of God. They got excited about the prophesying part. And I think we we do this today. We get more excited about the things of God than the God of the things. We get more excited about what we can do in Christ than what Christ is doing in us. And I I just think this idea of presence and just like anchoring down again into the fact that, man, when when I'm excited, I want to be excited about that my name is written in the book of life, that I will be, that I am dwelling with Christ. And one day I will be dwelling with him free of sin, free of temptation, free of the lie, free of brokenness, free of all of that. I'm going to be free to, to live in unadulterated intimacy with the God who made me for that purpose. I mean, that is the prize in the end. And I don't think we can say it enough because it's, I think it's hard for us to comprehend.
1: And you know, Zach, that, uh, that's even a cultural thing. I think that's more so today, and, and this is something Alex and I talked about, that have you noticed when you see like at a, at a concert or a, a ball game or something like that, so this is something you're there to experience, right? I mean, you're there because it's a music concert or whatever. Have you noticed that everybody has their phones up recording what they're there to experience? So, like, oh, it's like yeah. you can't even – you go there to experience. You're there to watch a game. You're there to whatever. And everybody there is – you can't even enjoy it, the experience of it because everybody's recording it or taking pictures of it instead of enjoying the experience of it or the presence of it. So it's almost like – to what to your point, it's like we, we've got to get something either to post or whatever is being done with it, rather than even enjoying what we're there to do. You know, which is yeah, just we just yeah, this. we got to capture the moment right. instead of being in the moment exactly. with God. It, yeah, right.
2: And, uh, yeah, it's so true. But you think about it. Even culturally, it's like that. Even what, but we we mentioned this verse a lot on this podcast when when uh, even the word of God itself. You think about um, when Jesus when the Pharisees came at Jesus and they said. Uh, you know, he said, yeah, you, you study the scriptures diligently and by them you think you're, you're saved, but you missed basically miss me like you missed the, what this is about. And I think this will be the battle to the day we die is to make this about us, to make this about what we get, to make this about. I love what Jay said. I could just see that as a Instagram uh, reel about the because it was so powerful that, that, that it's not about the presence that we get. It's about the presence that we get in Christ, you know, that we get to dwell with the Father through the Spirit.
3: So I think we should read the last two verses, uh, because I I love these. So after all this, what we thought was scary is actually comforting, because, you know, Peter is focusing on the arrival. And even when I was making reference in Revelation in chapter 20, I think some of those books that will be open, we always— tend to view that as in, oh, he's going to bring up every bad thing I ever did. Well, for those who haven't put their you know, trust in, in Jesus, maybe so. But for those who have, I believe those books contain the stories where God used us to bring other people and on the positive side of things. And we will relish those stories. And I mean, there's nothing more exciting on the earth, in my opinion, than hearing a fantastical transformation of a person going from lost to saved. It's always fascinating. It always brings excitement and joy, even going back to Luke 15, where Jesus said, this is why I'm eating with tax collectors and sinners, because when a person repents, it brings joy to everyone around. So he he gives this image of, of what's fixing to happen, and he's like, therefore— Dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men, which is obviously the people he was discussing in chapter two. And fall from your secure position, which goes back to what he said in chapter one about having this growing faith. You remember when he said, if you, you know, add to your faith, goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. You know, if you do this, they'll keep you from being ineffective and productive. That was verse eight. And he's like, so make your calling and election. Sure. Verse 10, for if you do these things, you will never fall and you'll receive a rich welcoming in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So he says, they will keep you from, Falling from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about that thoroughly. To him be glory, both now and forever. So I did a little research, and I think you'll find this fascinating that we've been using all these Luke references. Well, did you know the same Greek word about not falling from your secure position was used by Jesus in Luke 22 in a conversation between Jesus and Peter, and you remember when they're at the Last Supper, and Jesus says, "I'm going to be betrayed by one of you," you know, and Peter comes up, and he's like, "Never," you know, and eventually he's going to say, "Yeah, you're going to deny me." But during that conversation in verse uh, thirty-one of Luke twenty-two, Jesus says, "Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat." But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And it's the same Greek word for fail here as Peter used in his second letter where it says that you won't fall or fail from your secure position. So when you think, well, I wonder where Peter got that from. Oh, I know where he got it from. Because, Jesus told him. because the Lord looked at him and said, you're not in a good place right now. You're failing. You're falling away from me. And so, uh, but watch what Jesus said. I, I think it's very powerful in Luke 22 and 31. Because it really, in 32, is really why Peter, I think, is focusing so much on growing In you participating in the divine nature. You're you being born again, you gotta grow in this faith. Because he says, Jesus says, After I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And so Jesus was looking at the process that Peter was going to have to go through. And guess what? We all have to go through the growth process. And that's why I think Second Peter's been so encouraging to me, is that you realize this is a this, this is not gonna be a quick thing. When people are born again, it's great, it's fantastic. We all are fired up. But guess what? It's not like a time lapse, which is interesting because all of this debate in three about time. It would be nice just to see the finished product, you know, and do a time lapse of your life. But we we unfortunately can't see that in in our own life. It's a gradual. Growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, which is the relational aspect, not just the intellectual of knowing about Jesus. It's not just the that you know the facts. It's a spiritual, relational uh, you know bond and partnership that you have in the presence of God that is a growing it, it, it takes time. It's like so. a, it's like a journey. It is like a journey, like a journey. That's but I, a, I don't think it's an accident that he put, you grow in the grace of God. And you think about what that means, which is why I wanted to zero in
1: on it. Yes, you're right. He didn't say, if you turn back. He said, when you turn back. Yeah. I mean, so so he planted that confident word in Peter's mind then. Because you're right, he used that word, you're, you're failing.
3: Yeah, but you're failing. If, but And he knew he was going to deny him. This is accurate. Which is the worst thing you can do. That's right. Now, people, they put the list of sins on the work. The worst thing you didn't do, and he just addressed it in Second Peter. I mean, Peter just said this, that people will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Well, that's something he did three times, saying, I correct. don't know him. I don't know him. And still, the Lord was patient with him and he said, you're gonna come back through this.
0: He wound up just sitting on the side of the road, crying. He gives you a picture of the grace of God. And look, people say, oh, I
3: understand the grace of God. No, it's something you grow in. It is a process that you will do
1: for the rest of your natural life. But that's another one of those things, I hadn't thought about it just you pointed out this text. This is second one of those texts that fascinates me. And this one's from the gospels is this is another behind-the-scenes glimpse at Satan in the heavenly realms having a convo with God about one of us.
3: Oh, no doubt. When you brought that up, I thought we were going, because you said Luke 20, I was thinking, well, I'm fixing to go to Luke 22. It's the same deal. Here comes the evil one trying
1: to plant these Because he did that. Remember with Job, he did the same thing. There's a conversation in the heavenly realms between Satan and God over one of us and it happened here too. He's asked to sift you as wheat, and so.
3: And what is the powerful point, though, that Jesus in that moment is praying for his own followers? Exactly. There's no difference in what happened then and what happens now. The idea that Jesus is is praying for me or you, you know, or Zach or Phil, not
1: for Satan to sift us as wheat is very encouraging to it's me. Very encouraging, and to know that, <clears throat> that he has a win. You're you you straighten up when it, when you come back mentality for us. Well, he knows your heart, and
3: that's the bottom line. That that's where this debate gets into: how much does God know beforehand, and how much does He allow us to choose? And well, He knows our heart, and you know God is the ultimate time lapse in that He's eternal. And I mean, whether you get your head wrapped around this, whether something moves around so fast that you're just everywhere at one time, which is how we kind of relate God with the time thing. He's being patient, which is allowing us to live in this time frame that he set up. You know, you go back to the creation when he he established the, the days and the sunrise or, you know, the earth revolving around the sun, and it was day. And he set all that up to allow us the opportunity not only to find him, you know, in Jesus, but also to give us
1: time to grow and and become mature in our relationship with him. And it is interesting that he throws in the concept when he says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, because several times he mentions in this third chapter, he's mentioned in both books, both letters, the idea that he keeps go, going back to the prophecy and, you know, the way to thwart these false teachers is you got to go back to what's been there all along that this has been pointed to that. So in other words, there's a lack of knowing when these guys are giving you these cleverly made up tales. And so he keeps saying, you got to go back to the basics.
3: All right. He gave them some talking points. When people say, well, where's this coming? You're like, well, Noah, you know, Noah is a pretty good example. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a, Pretty good example. Uh, Even, you know, bringing up these stories, but ultimately he's saying the grace of God is what, you know, in Jesus is what motivates people to change their hearts, and it motivates them to persevere when the fires and trials come. I mean, that's what Jesus did for us. So he's he's not saying, look, go you know cuz i feel like a lot of religions do this they're like you know the world would be a better place if we just if we just did like what jesus did but it's not about just these it's deeper than that he he's not saying i want you to do good things i want you to be transformed reborn and have my presence in you on this earth and it will last forever, but while you're doing that, you will understand what I did for you even deeper as you become me
1: on the earth. And Dad, that kind of goes along with what you did your lesson on Sunday with that shows you the the power of Christ's forgiveness and sort of, you know, redeeming Peter in his relationship you know which was is really powerful when you see it not only did he do it in the moment then he restored him to be able to establish the kingdom and start the church and all the things he did there which is really powerful
0: you know goes all the way through in the gospels you know peter disowns jesus peter's was sitting there on the corner he ends up a root the rooster crowed and he went outside and he wept bitterly. Well, you keep reading on, and finally you get to the part where it says Jesus reinstates Peter. Yeah. And he ended up. We just got through reading two of the books that God let him write, even with his transgressions. That's right. You know, he was like, he, telling, no, this, this gospel thing ain't gonna work.
1: And he ends it with with grace, which is yeah, which
0: is
2: powerful think about how the Gospel of John begins just to everyone connect.
0: sins and they think they've written them, God's written them all forever no just get back up exactly. and ask him to forgive and keep moving that's right Peter went through every bit of that uh, yeah I was just going to say that even the way the, the Gospel
2: of John begins with the connection of God's presence and grace John fourteen one fourteen says and the word with a capital w became flesh so the word Jesus, God becomes flesh and dwelt among us you want to talk about the idea of presence i mean (laughs) that that, that's what he's talking about god came to be present with his people in the flesh and we saw his glory as the only as uh as as of the one only one uh, begotten from the father full of grace and truth there's your grace john testified about him and cried out saying this was he of whom i said he who comes after me has a higher rank than i for he existed before me for of his fullness, we have all received, and grace upon grace, and I and I, that's the progressive and super abundant nature of the grace. I think that Jace is talking about. It's it's not. This is not a a one and done kind of deal. You know, we think oh, because we're so limited in our view of salvation. So often we think it's only about getting getting saved from sin so that we can live forever and then like you're we, just there's so much more grace that we have access to than you can ever comprehend than I can ever comprehend. It's grace upon grace that was realized in the incarnation of Christ when the word became flesh, and then through the gospel that he died, that he was buried in a tomb and he was raised on the third day and now he ascended to lit, to where he mediates for us in that there is more grace than we could possibly ever fathom, ask for, or imagine that's a, that's available to to us believers.
1: No, you're exactly right. And it really it, it motivates us in and <clears throat> how we should live and what and you know what we should do. And but as human beings we tend to want to go towards the other way. We we
0: tend to want to go to more more law, more rules. Plus we kind of think when people if they Get into a life. They they slowly drift into the life where Peter ended up, where he didn't even believe he was going to die for him. But uh, you know, we, we tend to think if someone is falling away, Zach, there's no there's no getting them back up and helping them. But just because yeah. they tell you, look, I've I've fallen away, I mean, you said, well, let let let's let's go back over this again. Let me make sure you understand something. So you sh- we shouldn't give up on people who say, I used to be, you know, a follower of Jesus, but now I'm not. Well, it's now that I'm not. Well, that's where Peter was, and God was very patient with him, Jesus was, and he brought him out of there. He's writing books in the Bible. So,
1: I do like the motivation, because three different times he mentions in chapter 3, he he starts in verse 1, he says, Both the letters I've written is to stimulate wholesome thinking. Yep. So, so there he gives you the ultimate point. This is why he did it. Because this is, as Jason said, this is a scary language that he's using. But he says the ultimate point is I want to stimulate wholesomeness in the way you look at this. Then he says in verse 11, what kind of people are you to be? In other words, all this stuff I'm saying, what, what should you look like? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God.
0: And speed it's coming. That's why you tell people you can come back. Here's some things you can do. Listen, what old Peter checked it to Jesus for a while. Yeah, yeah. But Jesus reinstated him because he's Peter knows better than anybody. I mean, what he's saying is that he he wants you to look forward to
1: his return. Yep, not to dread it. That's right. I mean, we shouldn't live in dread of his mm-hmm. return. We, we should look forward to it. And then he says in verse 14, and this is even more pointed: make every effort to be found spotless blameless, and at peace with him. He remembered the, the the troubles he had. Yeah. And you think about that, that sounds impossible, because you think, well, I can't be spotless, and I can't be blameless. But you can if you're at peace with him. Yep. We had a conversation just recently with a, a young girl, and you know she's really struggling in faith. And so as she was struggling, I realized that her struggle was is that she doesn't think she's good enough. And so I realized that, and, and, she, and in her struggles, she shared that. And I said, but you know the deal? None of us are good enough. None of us. I said, all of us sitting here talking to you are good enough. That's it. And so the only thing that makes us good is having peace with the one that makes us good, and it's because he is good. Yep. And so the only way we can be spotless and blameless is if we're in Christ. And so that's the message. I mean, that's the way we do that. And so I love the way he lays that out clearly in all this text about judgment and, you know, this is what's coming and to the Lord. A thousand years is, you know, like a day, a day is like a thousand years. And we get in all that. And the ultimately he says we want to look we want to speed the coming of Christ, which I don't know about y'all, but
3: yeah, it's I'm looking forward to it. You know, some people believe that means <laughs> the more people you bring in you're actually speeding it up, but I think it's more just you're looking like First Thessalonians says you look forward, yeah, to that day. You know, going back to that point that I noticed in that that Greek word about the Exodus, you're 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 realizing that God is bringing us out of bondage, which ultimately is decay and to sin. And into a new era, you you're arriving in the presence of God for eternity, so it's something you look forward to. It and and it gives you a peace that you're on the right side of things here, but it it's becomes exciting and you're you're speeding the the you know the coming, which is why I brought up that time lapse. You know, the first time somebody discovered how to capture that, it just sent people for a loop because you know you can't. Watch a tomato plant produce a tomato. I mean, you put the seed in the ground. What, are you going to sit there 24-7? It, it, well, you know it's growing, but you don't see it. So somebody came up with a time lapse. Like, oh, well, now it makes sense. That thing is just magically coming out of the ground. But it's actually a great image when you talk about growing and being patient and understanding God's grace that this is more of a journey, like Phil said, than... Just snapping your finger saying, Oh, I got the facts. You know, yeah. the,
1: the world's Give me. Give it time to grow. <laughs> well, it also gives you just a little bit of an earthly sense of what it would be like from God's perspective from a time lapse. You know, again. Yeah, that's why I brought it mankind up. Mankind has a real inventive ways of having little ways to look at it from God's perspective. Because imagine that's God looking at everything.
3: You know. I, I, I really, it helped me thinking that it it, is God, he sees my whole life in a time lapse. He, he can right. see it, but he's allowing it to have this, this movement. Cause you, I, I got the think about it. It started making my head hurt, you know, for any movement to happen, there's gotta be time. It, it, something moves and there's a time attached to it because it, there's a process involved. Well, he enabled that in his being it's nothing it's simply a time lapse there he's it's like he inserted this movement of the earth and people along his line but the line keeps going yeah well
2: that's it's, pretty it's, uh, ph- that's pretty philosophically astute of you jace that was pretty <laughs> deep right there right yeah, yeah.
1: Not, not bad, got, for, not uh, bad but, for a Redneck. Man, you know, not bad for a Redneck. An unschooled, ordinary, trying to grow in the grace of God <laughs> <laughs> and knowledge, <laughs> and knowledge. All right, well, that's it uh, for uh, for this edition. Uh, we'll try to do better next time. Well, if you want to follow us over on blaze dot slash Unashamed, we'll uh, we'll put the finish and touches on Second Peter in our overtime segment. So we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast.